5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. This is a free download. Listen on your music player. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com to God Stories Radio. This is Session 79. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. What's going on over there, Mikey? Just riding the wave. Yeah? Riding the wave, yes. Just, you know, God, again, you know, he, he I see is everything is coming from God and just see these little blessings here and there just keep, keep coming up and, you know, I say thank you and continue to move on waiting for the big things to happen and well, God's in the little things, and I'll tell you what God Stories Radio had the privilege of doing this week is, I don't know if you guys remember Miguel Cotrich, who yes. was the uh, the guy in the wheelchair, wheelchair bound. Yes. that came and gave his testimony. Well, you know, here we were thinking, um, we and we thank each and every one of you that have pushed the button on God Stories Radio because we have had an opportunity as a ministry to bless others with that money. We've and, re-sown uh, the seed. Yep, we re-sown the seed. We had a chance to, you know, pay for some storage and some movers. He was, I, I'm not sure the whole story, but he was evicted out of his home. And and he has a lot of um, expensive medical equipment. And, you know, that's, that is his life. That's that's what gets him up and out of bed is his some of his uh, medical equipment and that sort of thing. And to be losing that and losing that freedom that he has would just be like losing his life you know i know and his poor wife called me you know over this last weekend and she was crying on the phone and oh my goodness my heart just sank yeah she's mm-hmm. disabled too so they're both um they're both disabled and both in wheelchairs so we talk a lot on the show about what we're going to do with the money as far as god stories radio but you know what if god has us blessing other people and, and giving it away then then so be it it's a privilege Absolutely. I'm so glad we were able to be there to help his family out. Amen. So thanks to each and every one of you out there that have pushed the button. Yes. Um, God bless you. For present, future, and the past. We we have an opportunity to, to bless others like that. It's just amazing. Yes. And we yeah. still have our friends in Kenya. Amen. Pastor Wilkins. Pastor Wilkins. Yes, we do. He's we in love touch you, with brother. Every day, we're looking into finding out how to get Bibles to them. Apparently, they have to have an agent hired in their country because unlike other countries where you can just put that it's a gift so they don't take a duty on it um in kenya they don't care if it's a gift the government still wants their money so <laughs> we're trying to figure out the ins and outs of international shipping but in the meantime we're going to get them some some bibles over there too she said duty <laughs> <laughs> Man, I do ty. Yeah, right on. Man, I'm so excited about tonight. I am fired up. Uh, Mikey, 
I'm going to let you introduce our guest. Oh, wait. Can I do shout outs? Oh, sure. Can. Shout outs. Absolutely. Go for it. Shout sorry. Outs. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say hello and thanks for listening to Margie Deckard and Bill Harkins. They're both on Facebook liking us, liking our Thanks posts. Thanks for liking us. Yes, and we thank you. like you for liking us. You can go to uh, God Stories Radio. What is it? Facebook.com backslash God Stories Radio. God Stories Radio. And if you have a testimony you want to share, give us a shout out at God Stories Radio at gmail.com and put in your subject line testimony and we'll know that you are going to call in and give your testimony. And I wanted to also give a shout out to a couple countries while we're at it. Okay. Colombia and Ecuador. All right. Hola. Como esta? (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Thank you for listening to the show. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now you can introduce our guest. (laughs) Okay. And well, here's Mike. Here's Mike with our guest. Further ado, uh, our guest tonight. Um, it's been a little bit uh, trying to get him to uh, commit. Commit to come here and do this. Um, and in the past six months or so, he's been uh, growing in that aspect as far as getting, uh, not being bashful. And um, with some people, they get the tug, and we know they get the tug. We can see it in them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, brother, God really wants you to step up and do this. All right. And they just, they just, they can't do it. They can't make that leap. I know. Hmm. We see it all the time. And uh, again, Arnie is also a uh, real man. But uh, I met Arnie a few years ago through the uh, church on the production team. And uh, him and I did the same thing, and and he well actually Arnie did a lot of stuff, uh, different things uh, in the cameras and so on and so forth. But uh, that's how we met, and we uh, been friends. And and at this point, I just uh, give you Arnie Davison. Thank from, you. He's a Scotland. Scotland, we love. I have his to accent. add, he was my second friend, official Freedom. friend at real life. You you were my first, Mikey. Mikey was the first <laughs> yep, when you retired. Arnie was the second, and then Jay. Jay was the third, and that's who I got the Wild at Heart book from, was Jay. Wow. Yeah, because they were going to boot camp that weekend that uh, I was tired. Well, so. thanks. Thanks for the uh, the invite to come here tonight. It's been uh, awesome hearing your guys and what you've been doing here. Thank you. So. So just let your, uh, we'll, we'll let you give your testimony, and, and uh, we'll see that if you're on a roll, we'll just let you go, and. If anything comes up that uh, maybe uh, listeners might need to be uh, highlighted, then we'll try ask and questions then. ask okay. questions in. But just you can just let it roll. Let it rip. Yep. I'll put the disclaimer in that I'm Scottish, so you might not understand everything. <laughs> <laughs> you'll charm us. Okay, well, thanks for the opportunity here. Um, well, you'll probably figure out I'm Scottish by birth. Um, I'm 41 years old, uh, and I mean come from a fishing village which uh, predates the Roman Empire. Um, I grew up with three sisters competitively, which was very tough for me. (laughs) A lot of advice from them. My parents had their own businesses, working too many hours, uh, and I never saw them unless it was mealtime or church. Um, I was also aware with my parents' church, uh, I was hearing it. Um, I felt uncomfortable with it. It was extreme. 
um, three times Sunday and twice weekly. And if I didn't turn up, my dad was always making us guilty for not coming. Um, we, the church was very strict. Um, they had very strict rules, known as religion. Um, TV was not allowed. Wow. Uh, kids uh, made fun of the church because it was different than the rest of the churches. It had a green door, so the church with the green door was my mm-hmm. my personal hell. Um, I was challenged almost weekly uh, about my Savior Jesus and was I going to accept him. I wanted to be saved, but I felt like church was hell to me. As a teenager, um, I was kind of like maybe a pastor's son. Um, I rebelled, and I started making very poor choices with my life. Uh, I was stealing money from my parents quite heavily. Um, I was taken to a shrink, age 14, and I thought it was great. (laughs) I think it was the first time I had someone take a close interest in me. Um, I never had any time with my dad. My dad was always working. Uh, At 16, I went to college learning electronics, uh, which involved a job that paid steady money. I loved it. But once money was earned, I thought college was a waste of time. So I left and just concentrated working. By 20, lost my job because the company went bankrupt. Uh, I ended up with $70,000 in debt, bankrupt myself. $70,000 in debt? by age 20. Um, No income, committed check fraud, lost my car, and success was playing debt collectors every month. So several years went by, and I was pretending to myself how successful, but my conflict with my father forced me to leave home for work. One lucky break was when I was hired by an offshore diving firm called Subsea Offshore. Now, this was a great company to work for, but sadly, from day one, my line supervisor was bullying me, and I really was depressed and hated it. 24 years old, my oldest sister had been praying for me, and she took me to a new church. And then, before long, I'm at a barbecue, and I get invited to another great church with some old friends from a previous church. This was the first time I actually enjoyed a church, and it's around this time, I don't really know the exact date, but I started to know I was saved and I had a saviour. I did feel comfortable to be a Christian. Not necessarily a good one, but soon after, work changed, um, things got better. Senior supervisor came in one day and said, you want to come and work for me in a new area of the factory? Um, it happened that the same difficult job I had been struggling with attacked the attention of some managers who figured out what was going on with the bullying. I was doing great in my job and they wanted my skills. I was struggling to make ends meet in the city, so I started working longer to earn more money. Sunday was 12 hours, double time, so I was never at church. Mm-hmm. However, my heart was to work as an offshore tiger, which is just the term we used for the first time offshore. Sounds exotic. Big like big bucks and glamour. <laughs> <laughs> it's all lies. Um, however, I kept going to church when I could. Uh, life was very lonely, busy. And then one day I was fixing my landlord's computer, and I impressed him with my IT skills. Uh, Kenny was the survey manager, and he promised an interview with a survey boss. Next day, I started as an offshore survey tech that still has me working with the same company 17 years later. 
My first offshore year was a dream. I was having the time of my life. I was in Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, Peru, Venezuela, all within six months. I was referred to as our South American correspondent, which felt good. <laughs> However, the thing I was missing was integrity or accountability. I was led straight down the wrong path in only the first few weeks. I was completely corrupted. Initially, my face slowed me down, but it did not take me long to be sitting in bars with hookers and getting badly drunk. By the time I got to Peru months later, I was determined to overcome my virginity to a local prostitute. I'd been raised with strong Christian morals and therefore no sex before marriage was pretty important. Luckily for me, I was a coward. A few days later on my birthday, I was flirting with a married woman, drinking neat vodka till 4am. Morally, I always thought I would never do anything like that. But I was too drunk to even walk, so nothing happened. Next day, my party chief boss, that's like the, the title we, we use in the survey department, um, he watched me suffer the major hangover, and he said nothing. I was boasting about this married girl, and I even tried to call her again. What was strange for me, I had heard Red was a born-again Christian, but I just didn't care. Next few days, I was lying low, recovering from the ordeal. But then I met a girl in the hotel, fell in love with her. That was a mess waiting to happen. I did bring her to Scotland many months later. Luckily for me, this girl was raised with good morals, and I wish I was a better person at the time, as I blew it. I tried to rush it and force the situation, and it never worked. There was little faith in my life approaching 30, but I still went to church weekly. Dad's health was failing, and being the only boy in the generation, I felt pressure for a son. I was feeling very lonely, and while offshore, I jokingly signed up to Christian Dating Agency for a 30-day free trial, not expecting anything. Funny enough, on the last day, I get this email from an American girl, Laura, who contacts me on the basis my profile seemed the most honest. Hmm. How could this relationship be serious, as she was 5,000 miles away in San Diego? Many jokes aside, she was serious and offered to come to Scotland to see me. Now, back then, we had no digital cameras, but I knew I was going to marry this girl before seeing her picture. This was different. Her face connected, and I was focusing on my faith again. I booked tickets on my first day home from offshore, and a few days later, it was 9-11, I jumped on a plane heading for San Diego, only to be devastated and arrived back in London and very distressed with what had happened that day. So one week later, made it to San Diego, and I ordered the engagement ring the day after I got home. And on Christmas Eve, uh, Scotland 2001, I uh, secretly planned uh, a nice little picnic for my wife, but I took her to the place where Braveheart was filmed um, on the side of uh, Mount uh, Nevis, Glen Nevis, and I proposed to her there, and she said yes. Mm. Um, a week later, I was in Cleveland meeting my in-laws for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and now the in-laws. <laughs> 
Well, at first it was okay. It was quite nice. Uh, and then Laura told them that no wedding was going to happen in Cleveland and she might live in Scotland. Oh. After much stress, we agreed to a secret marriage three weeks later in San Diego. Uh, Laura's favorite place was the Del Coronado Hotel on the beach there. So she had her pastor, Marius. Um, one week later, Laura was living in Scotland as my wife. The lesson learned since is never elope on your mother-in-law and don't take her daughter overseas. Mm. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> so after a few rough months adjusting to married life and my dad's health, um, I was struggling in my job and I wanted to quit. Um, I was threatening work all the time with my, my demands. I screwed up at work quite badly on a project and I lost all confidence in my ability and I became very depressed and ill with poor health. I became very difficult, demanding. I was complaining about all the issues in my life. My wife tried to support me, but I was too much for my wife and the marriage started to struggle. The worse it got, the more I hated my job until one day I was asked to join the ship called the Scandinavica. Here I find my previous boss, Reg, as the party chief. Now on the Navica, Reg became a really good mentor for me, allowing me to rebound in confidence. I was happy in my job, but I was spending too much time arguing with my, my wife. Shortly after, I became a father of my son, William, who is now 11. William was named after my father and a great joy in my life, but Sadly, it had additional strain on the marriage, which was struggling. Uh, sometimes you think it's the big things that matter, when really, when your wife wants to wear jeans to church and you grew, grew up wearing Sunday best. This type of argument was devastating and far too common. We tried to get help with the church pastor, and it was going better for a while. However, we heard stories about our problems from church members, so somewhere we had a breach of trust and we could not get an answer why it happened. And we just withdrew from the church. We felt we didn't want our problems as public knowledge. So, long time passed and things were very stressful, but then in 2006, Laura's grandfather died and lived in a holiday in Florida. And it took all the five minutes to decide we were gonna take the opportunity to take up an offer to live in their house. We struggled to find a good church in our local area, and with that, the marriage continued to deteriorate. We spent almost every other weekend at Disney World, which was really fun. Um, eventually, we ended up moving to Claremont in Central Florida with the idea that my wife wanted to work at Disney. Weeks after, we purchased the largest home we could afford. The recession started right as we signed the paperwork. Mm. and So you bought high. Oh yeah high interest rate and then my income was devastated with the exchange rate collapse um, I lost almost a third of my income overnight um, we were born as much as we could could do to stay alive um, and we were only here from losing everything I think at one stage 135 bucks and that was it there was no nothing left and we would have started a catalogue of disasters things at home are terrible and while my wife had started packing bags again and hated everything about me, I asked her to get down on her knees with me and pray for help. And she did. And the fighting stopped long enough until our new neighbours moved in the following weeks. 
It's so ironic how we spent two years trying many churches around Clermont up to one hour away because we needed the right type of church. So many of us convict ourselves with the legal side of Christian church standards and then ignore our faith. We even kept asking pastors from other churches, was there any Christian churches in Clermont? And they just said no. Our new neighbours were members of Real Life Christian Church in Claremont. We had driven past Real Life for two years and would automatically assumed it was too modern and possibly watered down by our known church standards. It was on the bottom of the list to try, but it never fit the ideal church image. Even the website lacked information. We just never knew it was a rapid expansion with limited resources and the building was brand new with a new website. We joined the membership class, and this was the point everything started to change. During the meal, this scary-looking biker sat next to me, and I was thinking, Hell's Angel. I was relieved to discover Ken McDermott was a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotcha. <laughs> Alrighty, Ken. You know Ken. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so anyway, I had to get baptized. Uh, I was terrified about this in my life. I got baptized that night for the first time as a, as a believer. That night, wow. Yeah, so uh, I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. And then Ken comes up and says, do you want to come to Real Man tomorrow night? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I go there the next night, and there was, I think, between 200 and 260 people there. And All that, men of faith. Yeah. And then I was in a small group led by a good friend of ours, Mark St. Clair. And I want to take credit here, but I remember talking with Mike long before you guys started here. And I, I said, you should talk to Mark. He's got a radio show. Well, Mark, <laughs> right? Mark was session, seven, uh, session five with uh, God yeah. Stories Radio. Solomon's Porch, he does, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Kindred spirits. Now, um, as my faith grew stronger... I was serving at church, and I was spending as much time as I could at church. Basically, I loved it. And I was so happy after the years of doom and gloom. Um, initially, my wife was very happy to see my growth. But then a weird reaction started. She started resenting me that I was pushing the faith after all the years when I resisted during a bad marriage. I always felt the faith could still fix my marriage, and I knew that what was needed, but I was ignoring my wife, who was pleading for us to get counselling. Well, I procrastinated for too long, wanting to do the right thing. But during real men groups, I was convicted about the pride and asking for help, so I opened up about my marriage issues. Um, I got challenged by the group, um, what, what the guys were getting for help in their marriages, and then one day we talked about our strengths. And I thought, I'd be good at this. I'm a nice guy. And I was quite humbled because I left there with a big hole in my side. Uh, nothing bad was said about me, but nothing good was said about me. Mm. And I felt very down about that. I wanted to be known for something more. And I realized for the first time in my life that what my excitement had been about was myself and not about my faith. So hitting rock bottom, I hired Monty Drenner. I hired, sorry, I hired Monty uh, of MTC Counseling as our Christian marriage counselor. Highly recommend him. First, it was a relief to offload my burdens. Uh, and then I started to feel lots of blame for my mistakes. But through the love of Jesus, I started to understand how the devil worked to destroy marriages. 
we were both told God is at the top of the mountain and each of you is like at the bottom and opposite sides. If you focus on getting to God, you will meet with him at the top. It was not about what we wanted from each other, but letting God lead us. We both left feeling rather small, but we started a change in our understanding why our faith was supposed to be first. Um, Mark Sinclair often asked me to lead a men's group, but because of my job, I kept saying, no, I can't. Uh, I had to leave all the time. And I hated the fact many of my, my group friends had start, stepped up and started uh, leading groups. Um, I soon realized that with the group leadership, God was always going to be leading the group, and it was not about me. I was only running the admin. So I, I helped a friend start a real men group, and then Mark asked to speak with me, and he said he was quitting real men, and he wanted to move to other areas of ministry, and could I, could I uh, take over his group? And I said, absolutely. And I was really excited about that. It, it meant so much to me to be in, be involved with his group. So then life started becoming easier. Things started to run again. Um, I uh, attended the Wild at Heart boot camp, um, shared my testimony at Real Men a few days before that, which was, for me, breaking a huge barrier with my shyness. Standing well over 150 people, almost, I think a little bit less than that, but I was terrified at first, but I did a good job um, overcoming my fear. Uh, at the same time, I started a two becoming one Marge class, which was awesome, and the Marge was rebounding. I had stronger faith, and I was reading and praying with my wife daily, and at this time, I would have celebrated success and lived ha happily ever after. Now, I've often heard the devil will attack when you're closest to your faith, and often via your spouse. Well, let's just say I was about to have a violent wake-up. Laura was happy again and doing well, so in agreement with her doctor, she agreed to stop her depression medication. Within two weeks, Laura was emotionally out of control. Um, I was sure I had it covered. I knew what was wrong, and I was able to fix it. Um, Laura started to question her, her own leadership in her women's group, and she stepped down. She had too many emotions in her heart. And I was fighting that because I, I just never, ever assumed that was important. I thought it was more important for her to be involved. Um, I tried hard. I mean, I was going around all my friends and her friends, asking her, them to get involved with my wife. And my wife simply refused to talk to them. I started to crumble in disbelief, and I started to justify leaving my marriage to protect my faith. And again, something a Christian should never do. I reacted to this emotional outburst, fearing the worst, and after the success with her faith, this was just too difficult. Eventually, a friend had my wife meet with one of our pastors, John Wilson, and came home with more books to read. Now, I hate getting told to read books. <laughs> um, but some books are really awesome. But uh, I hated the fact uh, she asked me to read one of them. I, don't, I did not even like the names of the authors, and I was so angry. <laughs> Um, I was invited to meet with John on my next return and I was so eager to get in there and defend myself. So after Christmas break, my wife's parents, they were in town and they departed and a very traditional reaction, Laura rejected 
me and said our parents treated her better and uh, she didn't want to pray with me further counseling was not going to work and she wanted to leave me and William and move back with her parents in Cleveland and that was pretty devastating to me very painful words for me to hear but to make things my worst just wanted to homeschool due to the school issues with William and she hated her bank job we talked and agreed that financially it was suicide. Uh, we were probably going to go bankrupt. And it would just have to continue and endure it until we could pay off our debts. Um, this was hard for Laura to cope with and a major issue in our marriage. So I got a chance to speak with Pastor John. And I was quick to get in there and I tell him how hard I was trying for my wife and how angry she was towards me after the meds wore off. After listening to John, I was meeting 90% of what he said, but then he ruined my day. He told me that Ephesians 5 and wife submit was misunderstood. He told me that I had to submit to her needs and love my wife as Christ loves the church. Then he said, what did Jesus do for it? He said, he died for it. So in effect, I had to submit to my wife's needs by going further than I'd ever done, making it for easy for her to cope with me. He said it might even take one year, a great deal of patience. I hated the answer in every way. Hmm. How could I go any further? I felt like a failure. John then went on to say, did I understand the definition of love? I mean, we've all heard the word love. It's huge in our lives, but love is related mostly to romance of some kind. But the biblical definition is very different. And John asked me these things. He said, was I being patient? Was I being kind? Mm -hmm. Did I envy? Did I boast? Was I proud? Was I being rude? Was I self-seeking? Was I easily angered? Was I keeping a record of wrongs? First mm -hmm. Corinthians 13. Did I delight in evil? Did I tell the truth? Did I protect? Did I trust? Did I hope? Did I persevere? And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of these things. But no, I haven't been doing all of them. So I was pretty depressed. Uh, my friends knew I wanted to give up ever so bad. I had to leave for another trip where I felt all alone. And it was not easy to call home, which was the opposite of who I was. I was hanging out with the devil's schemes quite a bit, and well, I allowed him to guide me daily. I came home from the trip broken, and I thought I could do better at church. First day back while waiting for my wife to return from the bathroom, I get a text saying, I won't sit with you, go alone. Now, I'm a very proud person, but as a guy, I lost my emotions right there in the church lobby. And I was very distressed. I needed urgent help. And, and I, was, I just saw someone walk past who happened to be a very good friend of mine. And within minutes, I had a bunch of people come over to support me. I was just overwhelmed with love. So I came to realize that when we are alone, we're never far from help. The problem is that we don't want help because we're too proud. And we're often, we're doing well when we're losing it inside. 
I'd also accumulated a team of mentor, mentors with real men and serving in the production team, and I was given support and recovered enough to function. I went back offshore after three weeks at home, and this time I started reading the book John had given my wife. This book was called For Men Only by Shanti and Jeff Feldham. Working away offshore, my wife tried to tell me something, and I didn't want to listen to her. I knew what she was on about. This was a common theme in our marriage, and I never even told her what bothered her. I had assumed it was about homeschooling again, so I told her. She denied it, and how dare I say this? I felt justified as I knew I was right. I'd have managed to read the next day in the book about women needing to be listened to. And the problem is the venting rather than the problem itself. I had to listen to my wife and not fix it, which I had been doing. I'd always had a solution. It said, ask to pray instead and don't even try to fix it. And I was like, how? How's that going to work? So I get this three-page email from my wife two days later. And I skimmed through it until I saw the world homeschooling with a lot of emotions. And I pressed delete after about 10 seconds. How dare she do this again after denying it? Normally I would fight back, but I just deleted it. as I did not care and I wanted to avoid the issue. So two days later on the phone, my wife asked me if I'd read her email and I feared her reaction. I said, yes. I skimmed through it very quickly. She said nothing further. No fight came and she already knew my answer. It never even occurred to me that God was working in my wife's heart at the same time. Very surprised at this strange reaction, I started to mellow out trust in the new advice in the book. And while I can't tell you too much about that two-month trip, as no drama happened. The only thing that did happen, unbelievable, was my wife had an email from the school principal saying my son was not getting back into school the following year. Basically, the homeschooling door was the only option. I was mad at the school, but I relaxed about it and trusted that the faith was probably going to work better. So I worked with my wife to plan the homeschooling. So at this point, I've been trying hard to please my wife's needs. Issues were ignored, and I allowed her to feel better. Then I started supporting her choices rather than influencing them. For years, I had been planning and fighting my way from one issue to another between work and marriage. I started getting convicted about letting go and letting God lead me. I wanted to do so much more and even change jobs, but I decided to do nothing and let fate take its course. It's not an easy thing to do when you're one paycheck from disaster. We often say that when God shows up, he likes to show off. Well, he did. He was about to rock my world. I had an amazing eight-week period at home during summer break. Uh, enjoyed it with my son. And I had to work again, at least a six-week trip. But I was getting very concerned with the lack of working time on the, the season. Um... We, we worked back-to-back -back with other people on the ship, so I, I was going to miss them out my contract days. So, a lot of stress. And 
a long time in the planning, my ship came to the Gulf of Mexico from Scotland to work um, for a few months. And I left from my ship and trusted my wife to start homeschooling. And I started to get praise reports from my wife, saying it was awesome. Strangely, my back-to-back -back Richard hurt his back and could not return for 10 weeks. And my trip became longer, and then a third time until I was going to work for 98 days. Circumstances then allowed my wife and son to visit my, my ship and take me off the, sh the ship with 13 years of junk and close out a promise to my son to see my ship. This was normally a great place for me to work. However, things were starting to convict me that I was no longer happy there and needed a change. So I get back home and then my wife sat me down and said, I wanted to tell you I came off the depre depression medication three months ago. And this time she was doing really well. What I never saw was the massive pile of money in the bank account after I completed a 181-day contract in record time, or how my busy trip distracted me enough to let me heal my marriage without me worrying about it. So we just started our fourth quarter of homeschool, and I've been humbled by the change in my life. At a four-month period at home over Christmas, which is a very expensive time. So not only did I have plenty of income to spend, I paid off the most expensive credit card, and we're talking 33% of my earned earnings time at home, and the logic didn't make any sense. So far this year, I'm only two weeks behind schedule, which is normal. Trusting the word has been the key to all along and letting go. What I see is the restoration of our faith together, but my understanding of how God works in ways we never considered. I'm not going to tell you it's perfect, but only after a few months the fighting has gone and it's allowed the opportunity for the first time in years to build a strong family under God's leadership. Not only is my marriage growing healthy again, my real men group has been a blessing in my life. Leading a group of guys who keep coming back week in, week out, and being transparent with them has been awesome. They all go through the same struggles. And being able to show them how to lean on their faith has been really awesome this last few months. So I'm almost done here, but I just wanted to give you the last month of my, my, my trip. So I'm, I'm worried about my job. And I get this opportunity to go in the Gulf uh, on a new ship. And this is extraordinary because I, I, up until this point, I've been stressed out and worrying about things again. And I decided just to let things happen. Um, and I got a call from my, my Aberdeen office and, I, and, and they said, can you go on your ship again? And I said, okay, I'll do this, but I wanna get a change in the future. And I said, okay, when do I start? And they said, the 8th of February. So fine, I'm going on the 8th of February. So next day I got another phone call from an, my, my American boss who I work for. Um, international company and uh, he says I can't go the laws changed and we want you to work in the Gulf of Mexico so suddenly the doors closed for me to work and you have no idea how difficult that decision that had been for me and it was answered for me so I'm still worried about this new opportunity I go out to the, the Gulf of Mexico on this new ship and even when I'm flying out, I, I landed on the BP Atlantis oil platform. And while I'm in the 
the, the helicopter lounge, I see on the board, big letters, Bible study, 7 p.m. And it just had me thinking, how awesome is it when I'm working in the Gulf, which has got a lot more Christians than what I'm used to? People in America are very open with their faith, and I just love that about working here. So that night I get on my ship and I'm, I'm going to eat dinner. So I go at the galley at midnight and I walk into the galley and I hear the squeal in the background and I turn around and here's my Christian friend from my old ship. You have no idea what happiness is. You know, when you see that happening, you're, you, you want a friend and here's your best friend from you know, your previous ship. That's, that's my, my story and just it's, there's so much more I could tell you, but I just felt privileged to share this with you tonight. Wow. Well, thanks, Arnie. Wow. I've had the privilege of hearing your testimony several times, Arnie, and it never gets old. I'm going to tell you that part where it gets to where you are um, talking about having to uh, potentially, you know, leave your wife to protect your faith. That gets me every time. Yeah, I just couldn't imagine actually contemplating something like that, you know, thinking that and trying to do the right thing. Did you have to make the choice between one or the other? Um, at the time, I felt it was it, it was it was real, but I've, I I knew afterwards it was the devil playing with my emotions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he wants nothing um, more than to I keep took you I took counsel, and this is why we're told to get in get in friendship with good mentors in our life and hang out with Christians, get in Bible studies because they can support you when you need it. That had, I was thinking it had to be hard for your wife because it seems like at one point. She was wanting to push you, to lead you into becoming the man of the house, the sole supporter, and you were just not having any part of that. And then it was like a whole turnaround. That's the extraordinary thing here, because when I look at my original marriage goals was to be the homemaker. Um, I was taught that the husband went out and worked and looked after the wife. I think, you know, when I look at my father, um, what happened with his, he just did what he was taught, which was to go out and work, but he never spent any time with the family. He was always working 80 hours a week. In my life now, I've understand that it's not about that. It's the faith that's number one, and his family's number two, then the church part, and then the work part. And I've, I've had to learn that order over the last few years, and it's, it's really awesome when we put it in that order. In the right order, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Wow. So powerful. Yep. Thank you, Arnie. Thank you. And thanks for the lolling accent. I could just hmm, listen all night. <laughs> <laughs> I Love know, it. right? <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking on the way over uh, to a friend's house last night how uh, our pastor often jokes. People ask me to pray pray a lot at, at, at meals, and I said well, I'm, I'm asked to say freedom a lot. <laughs> freedom, <laughs> just like the movie. <laughs> but we well, that's all, but, not surprising from you, our pastor. Right? <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? It's been getting me the last day or so when thinking about doing this. Is you know we talk about Braveheart and William Wallace and freedom a lot but you know jesus did far more Mm. he died for our lives Mm -hmm. not for our country and i'm convicted by that right now preach it brother yeah that's good stuff fantastic what a way to wrap up session 79 yes sir Mm. 
My goodness. Arnie, thanks again Thank for you. coming and hanging out with us and sharing your testimony. And Man, we love you, brother. Yes, we do. And we wish you all the best of luck. Uh, when are you shipping out again? Next week. Next yeah, week? next Wednesday. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight oh. because I know you had to fit that into the schedule there. I'm glad you could be here. You know, it's funny. Um, Mark asked me to do his radio show very early on, and I, I just ran. <laughs> and, uh, Some do <laughs> a lot more too than you imagine. Last year, I, I was I was at church actually, and I came to the conclusion it wasn't about me. It was about using my ability for God's glory. Right. And I was sitting in church one night, and the next thing I was asked, "Would you want to be in a coffee shop commercial for real life?" And and I'm like, okay, you know, and I, you know, I don't think much of it. So months later, I, I finally get to see this commercial at church that they play every morning before the service starts. And I'm like, wow, there's me in, ch- in church every morning. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. But then uh, just about Christmas time, I'm watching real, real, li- real, real, real life on the TV 45. And here's, uh, here's me on this huge commercial. <laughs> on the <laughs> television so screen, you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm 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 known around Orlando now, so <laughs> very good. <laughs> we love the coffee guy. We love brother Mark and Mike over at Solomon Porch Radio. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, we got to give out. them props because uh, if it hadn't been for Mark, really uh, putting the cattle prod to Mikey, yes, sir, we may have never gotten started with God Stories Radio. So those brothers very are instrumental. Yeah, yeah very yes, instrumental in getting us off the very. ground. Very, you don't know. And then Mike, his, his co-host, uh, was very instrumental in, in the early stages of... There's of, the king of uh, orchestrators behind yes. that. <laughs> uh, divorce care and whatnot. My, I love you, Mike and Mark. And if you just happen to be listening, we love you. And Barbara. And we appreciate you. And Barbara. Yeah. And we're praying for you. And we thank you, ever thank you, each and every session, uh, or there may have never been a session if it hadn't been for you. So we appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, so we much. do. So, thank you. Well, thanks for hanging out with us for the last 45 minutes, and that wraps it up for Session 79. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless.